Well, we're glad to be able to come to you uh, this Good Friday evening uh, from Moshe County Baptist Church. And uh, we just want to remind you on Sunday morning at 930, uh, we'll be having a discussion panel. And we're going to be going over chapter 28 of uh, Matthew. I think it'll be a good discussion uh, topic going through. There are so many good spiritual lessons that we can learn. And then, of course, our preaching service on Sunday for Easter will be at 10 a.m. So we want you to tune in. Uh, we have some special things that we're going to be doing that day as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, tonight I want to share a message entitled Christ in Suffering. Christ in Suffering. We're going to look in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And so you can open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading in verse 18. And certainly we want to encourage you, if you have any questions for the discussion panel, I'll be sure to either text them or email them to us, and we'll be glad to go over them. Um, also, if you have any special prayer requests or anything like that, uh, be sure to get a hold of our church or by through email or texting, or give us a call and leave a message on the answer machine. I will certainly be praying for you. And uh, so Luke chapter 9 in uh, verse 18 says, And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? And they answering said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be risen the third day. Let's pray. Our Father, we're so thankful to be here this evening, uh, be able to gather around the Word of God and be able to study it together. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, send thy Holy Spirit upon us, that he may be our teacher and guide through the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us to not only refresh our uh, memories, Lord, of all that took place when Christ was crucified, but Lord, will you teach us some new spiritual truths as we study the Word of God together. And certainly, Lord, I pray that you just prepare our hearts for a great day of rejoicing uh, as we celebrate Easter Sunday, this Sunday coming up. And so, God, is speak to our hearts tonight. I especially want to pray, Lord, if there's someone listening that's not saved. Oh, God, I pray that you give them a tender heart, open ears, Lord, to hear what God has to say and be able to understand how much Christ suffered just so that they might be saved. Help those that are saved tonight, Lord, rejoice in the goodness and kindness of our God that you literally would reach down and save such sinners as we are. And so, God, speak to us and move upon us tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 22, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be risen the third day. In our text verse, it states here that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, must suffer many things. Christ in suffering. 
certainly Wednesday night, we looked at the topic of communion in suffering, that we suffer one with each other, and uh, certainly we suffer with the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, in reference to Good Friday, in reference to Easter Sunday weekend, in reference to the crucifixion of Christ, we see him suffering alone for the sins of mankind. So the Son of Man must suffer many things. We just celebrated this past week, Palm Sunday, and, and rejoicing in the fact that Jesus Christ came into the Jerusalem, uh, presented himself as the King of Israel. However, during that week, uh, he would be rejected. And not only being rejected, but he would suffer betrayal of those that were close to him. Uh, he would go through unjust interrogations. Uh, he would be falsely accused. He would be mocked and tried and condemned and ultimately crucified on the cross of Calvary. That's why he says the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be slain and be risen the third day. In a nutshell, in that one verse, Jesus Christ summed up prophetically for his disciples all that was going to take place after his presentation of himself coming into Jerusalem. You know, the emotions changed from the Palm Sunday until Good Friday, and so the mo and again uh, from Good Friday until Resurrection Sunday, the emotions change. We see that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, there were shouts of joy that have now become outbursts of anger. It's amazing to read through the passages of Scripture in the Holy Writ that tells us of all that took place when Jesus Christ came into the city of Jerusalem and how quickly shouts of joy become outbursts of anger. It's interesting that the words of love that was expressed turned to expressions of betrayal. Those that are very close to Christ would betray him. Uh, those that Jesus would do miracles uh, uh, amongst them uh, would turn their backs and betray him. And yet they expressed words of love prior to that, but now it's words of betrayal. You know, gleeful cries would become attitudes of remorse. And uh, it's amazing to see how quickly a man's emotions change when his circumstances in life changes. Outbursts of joy now are mere tears of sorrow. And feelings of hope are consumed by fear. You know, it's just interesting to see the world in which we live in how emotions uh, swing one way or to the other based on circumstances. Certainly people had great hope and great faith, and now we're facing this coronavirus, and it seems like many have replaced their hope with fear. It seems like those that would rejoice in their God question their God. It seems like many times folks that would say they would be Believers in Christ are now doubting and questioning Christ. And certainly this uh, day when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he would suffer much ridicule and mocking and pain because of the change of the emotions of the crowds. And so Christ in suffering. 
The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And what a glorious thought that, yes, trials and difficulties and sufferings will come into our life. But if we suffer with Christ, we understand we're also going to reign with Christ. And so the suffering is not the end. And certainly Jesus, when he would die on Calvary uh, so many years ago, was not the end because there was the resurrection coming. And so if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. In John chapter 15 and verse 20, Jesus said, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And so the relationship that the believer has with Christ is a very unique relationship. Because Christ suffers for us to give us eternal life, but yet we can experience real joy knowing that when we go through trials and sufferings, that we're not suffering alone, but rather we're in, uh, entered into the suffering of Christ and we're able to enjoy the blessings of God. So he says here, the Son of Man must suffer many things. I want us to think tonight about the Christ in suffering. Look over into Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And what we're going to do is read through different passages of Scripture that describe for us the suffering of Christ and uh, see how God would move and uh, manifest himself to man through the suffering of Christ. First of all, I think of the suffering of Christ. It was spiritual agony. Spiritual agony. In Matthew chapter 26, in verse 26, says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. I see the spiritual agony of Christ, first of all, involves, it's an illustrated sacrifice. And uh, because as he institutes here for us, the Lord's Supper, what we would call the Lord's Supper or communion, he's doing it with his disciples because he wants them to understand the spiritual agony that he's going to go through in the sacrifice that was going to be offered. It is for sure that the disciples understood the necessity of a sacrifice. Certainly the Jew, in the Jewish mind, they were well aware of what the law of Moses required in the sacrifice that had to be made. There had to be a body that was slain. The Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. There had to be blood that would be shed. Why? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And God said in Leviticus, I have given the blood to you, the blood for an atonement. And so Jesus Christ is illustrating for them the sacrifice that he's going to make on behalf of mankind. Greater love has no man than a man shall lay down his life for his friends. And so when we think of uh, Palm Sunday, we think of Easter Sunday, we think of Good Friday, let's remember that this time when Jesus was experiencing all these things that were going on, 
uh, there was places of spiritual agony in his soul as the very Son of God would take on the robe of fleshly man and walk and live on this earth some 33 years only to come to the end of his life illustrating the sacrifice that was necessary for man to be saved and that sacrifice he was taking upon himself. And so there's a spiritual lesson in reference to spiritual agony. Why? Because the Son of Man must suffer many things. So there's a spiritual agony illustrated through sacrifice. We see this spiritual agony isolated in prayer. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38, and what I did, I'm just lining up the scriptures and going along so we can find them very easily and read them together. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38, Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could you not watch with me? For one hour, watch and pray that you enter not in the temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then he said, goes on in verse 42 and says, He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, O Father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And so isolated in prayer, spiritual agony of Christ. The Son of Man is going to suffer many things. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And as he goes in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, uh, he's armed with the reality that his disciples have been just shown what the sacrifice was going to be. He's well aware of the fact that he has clearly illustrated the suffering that he is going to go through as he will shed his blood and offer his body as that sacrifice and now he goes before his father in reference to what is going to take place when he would hang on, hang on that cross. And his disciples could not pray with him. His disciples were sleeping when Jesus was praying. There was a spiritual battle, I believe with all my heart. There was a spiritual battle going on in that garden as uh, the devil would come and tempt Jesus, as the flesh would torment Jesus, as the emotions of his heart would overwhelm him, literally it says in Mark that he was sore amazed when he went to pray. And the word sore amazed means that he'd be scared out of your mind. And so the spiritual torment and agony that Christ was experiencing in the Garden of Gethsemane was an isolated prayer because no one else was praying with him. But he was pursuing his Father in heaven Desiring that the will of the Father in heaven would be accomplished. Spiritual agony. 
illustrated sacrifice, isolated prayer. And then in Matthew 26 and verse 49 and 50 is a deliberate betrayal. Let me just say this. We don't betray the Lord just by mistake. We betray the Lord deliberately. And in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 49, talking about Judas, it says, And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then they came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. A deliberate betrayal. A deliberate decision to reject Jesus Christ. And be it known tonight, when you think about the spiritual agony of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane for mankind, you realize this, that any man who rejects Christ, God is justified in sending them to hell. God is justified in condemning their soul. Why? Because the Son of Man has come into this world to offer himself for the sins of mankind, and he was going to suffer many things. And yes, he was suffering them for Judas Iscariot, but Judas deliberately decided he was going to reject Christ. So there's a deliberate betrayal. Deliberate betrayal always leads into spiritual agony. You cannot be satisfied and contempt in your spirit if you're deliberately day by day rejecting who Jesus Christ is. There's a tor torment of your soul. I see not only a deliberate betrayal, but I see an accused testimony. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 63, we're just highlighting the events that help us to see the spiritual agony that Christ would go through. The accused testimony in Matthew 26 and verse 63 says, but Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tellest us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter shall ye see the man sitting, son of man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest ran his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What farther need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. That is an accused testimony of who Christ is. Christ told him deliberately and directly, You have so stated that I'm the Son of God. He didn't deny what he had stated. He had affirmed his statement and his testimony that he is saying. And as a result of it, their response was to crucify him. The spiritual agony of Christ, rather than cowering away and hiding who he was, he deliberately allowed himself to be exposed as the Son of God. I love it when he healed the paraplegic because he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And the crowds would mock him and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You can't say that. That's, that's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus' response would be that you may know that the Son of Man had power to forgive sins on the earth. He saith unto the sick and palsy, arise, take up thy bed and walk. Christ did not deny the reality of who he is. He would state in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. Literally, I and my Father are one and the same. 
And so now as they're interrogating him and accusing him, uh, they uh, cry out that he has blasphemed and he is guilty of death. Psalm 3 and 1, uh, David said this, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. And it's certainly clear that as you read through the events from Palm Sunday on in the life of Christ, there were many, many who rose up against Christ. There were many who tortured the spirit of Christ. There are many who would call into question the reality that he was the son of God and take it to the, literally to the extreme of a, a departing out of the spiritual and entering into the realm of the physical in having him crucified. And so the spiritual agony of Christ. I see the second thing in Christ's suffering is the physical torment. Not only did he suffer spiritually, but he suffered physically for mankind. Notice in Matthew chapter 26, in verse 73, he's denied by a friend. Matthew chapter 26, in verse 73, says, And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. And then, it says, he began, began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and he immediately the cock crew. Jesus had warned Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Uh, Jesus had warned Peter, you're going to deny me thrice. Uh, Peter's response was, I'll never deny you. If I have to die for you, I'll die with you. And Jesus said, no, no, you're, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crow. And when Peter denied the Lord three times in the cock crow, it says in Luke that he went out and wept bitterly because the reality is here is his Savior. This here is his Messiah. Here is his mentor. Here is his his God in the flesh now is being denied by the one who said he would die with him. How many times do we allow ourselves to be drawn into a position of denial of who Christ is, not taking in any consideration whatsoever the suffering that he's going through? Christ has already suffered spiritually, and now he's beginning the trek to suffer physically as he'll continue on this pace of interrogation. I see not only is he denied by a friend, but he's rejected for an enemy. Matthew chapter 27 in verse 21, continuing through our chapters, says, The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then? with Jesus, which is called Christ, and they all say unto him, let him be crucified. Now, the interesting thing is, back in verse 66 of verse 26, they said he's guilty of death. They weren't satisfied just with the execution of Christ. They took it to the next step and say he's worthy of crucifixion, by death by crucifixion. And so the physical suffering of Christ was that he would be rejected for an enemy. You know, Jesus would represent all that is holy and pure. 
Barabbas would represent all that is wicked and corrupt. And when Jesus is being questioned and interrogated, and as he's being presented to the crowds, they would cry out, give us Barabbas, but crucify Jesus Christ. And so stating that, uh, they were exchanging holiness, despising holiness, for the purpose of embracing and accepting corruption. And understand that tonight, that when you think of the physical torment of Christ, when he would be taken and, and brutally battered and hung on the cross, every time we reject Christ for the enemy, we say, well, it's more important for me to be in the world. We say it's more important for me to deny Christ. It's more important for me to live as I please. You understand this tonight, that you are replacing that which is holy with that which is corrupt, and it's just as if you're in the crowd crying, give us Barabbas and crucify this Jesus. The physical torment that he went through, denied by a friend, rejected for an enemy, and then chapter 27, verse 26, abused by the soldiers. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into a common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put him on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of corn, thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand, right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him and took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. The abuse that they would suffer, uh, he would suffer physical abuse by the soldiers. They scourged him. They take what is called the cat and nine tails. It'd be a whip, a leather strap that was embedded with any kind of jagged glass or whatever it may be, pieces of metal and glass. They would literally take that person that they were scourging and tie them to a post, and they would literally take that and throw that, that whip across his back. And as the whip would go across his back, those pieces of metal and glass that was in the leather would embed themselves into the skin and the flesh of the individual, and they would rip the, the scourge off of them and as it would do that, they would rip open the flesh and cut the veins and the blood vessels and blood and muscle and skin would go everywhere and they would scourge Jesus Christ. It says they stripped him. He, he was standing naked and humiliated in front of all people. It says they planted a crown of thorns and placed it on, on his head. The physical mockery of, of supposedly approaching him as if he was a king and mocking his position as king of the Jews. And Isaiah chapter 53 describes for us Jesus Christ and his suffering that he would go through uh, on the cross and the torment by the uh, uh, 
soldiers that would abuse him. Isaiah 53 in verse 1 says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I want you to know tonight that many movies have tried to depict the suffering that Christ would go through when he was scourged and when he was crucified. But there has not been a movie that has been created that can depict the tragedy of Christ's suffering that he suffered at the hands of the brutality of these soldiers. It says he has no form or no comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him. Literally, as people would see the abuse that he, was, he suffered, they would, they would turn away in disgust because of the horror of what Christ suffered for you and for me. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, did, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. There is no, no desire to have Christ when you think of what he went through. Those who watched the brutal beating of Christ hid themselves. They turned their backs because of the fact they were so repulsed by what this man looked like that was physically tormented by the soldiers. Jesus Christ did that for you. That's why it, I, 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 I get upset. I, I get aggravated when people want to use the name of Christ as a vulgar curse word. That's why I cannot, I cannot stand. I cannot stand it when people say, oh, there's multiple ways for people to get to heaven. Because if there's multiple ways for people to get to heaven, why did Jesus Christ suffer such physical torment? so that we might be saved. There's no other way that man can get to heaven than through faith in Jesus Christ. You say, well, why is that so? Because I see the spiritual agony and I can receive the physical torment that Jesus Christ went through to save a wretched sinner like I am and a wretched sinner like you are. He did all that for you, physical torment. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 32 goes on to describe for us that he was executed on the cross. See, he was not only denied by a friend. Most of us quit on God when somebody denies us or upsets us. It's, a, it's interesting, Facebook and all this, that, and the other, and people get upset. Well, so-and-so befriended me. It's like your earth and your world is over. Oh, wait a minute. Do you realize what Christ suffered for us? He was denied by a friend, he was rejected for an enemy, he was abused by the soldiers, and he was executed on the cross. A torment type of execution for criminals. A man who went about doing good. A man who went about healing the sick. A man who went about revealing the love of God. 
a man who went about raising the dead, a man that always focused on his father's will. He always did his father's will. He was in all points tempted yet without sin. But this man was executed on the cross as a common murderer and thief. He's executed on the cross. Matthew 27, let's continue reading in verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto the place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots, and sitting down they watched him there, and set up over his head this accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, and another on the left. They executed him on the cross. The cross was a horrible death. It was a horrible death because the person would offer, already have experienced such abuse. But the crucifixion on the cross literally was one of uh, suffocation. Because literally when the person was hung on the cross, their body weight would hang down. And their body would hang down. They would have to push themselves up with their feet to try to gasp for some air. Jesus Christ, he was so battered and bruised and beaten by the scourgers that his back was already ripped raw down to the bone because of the whipping that he received. And so every time he would push himself up the gas for air, it would be rubbing on that raw flesh and blood and bones and meat that was torn and ripped apart as he would gasp for air. And at the end of the day, whoever was not dead, they would break the legs of the person on the cross so they could not push themselves up anymore and they would just hang and they would die. Jesus Christ, however, died in not a bone and his body was broken. But he was executed on the cross, a horrible death for you and for me. There's no greater torture than someone could experience than what Jesus Christ experienced on the cross. Oh, you understand this tonight. We call this Good Friday, but it wasn't anything good about what Jesus experienced. We call this Good Friday and we try to have nice services and this, that, and the other. But the reality is, good. what we would call Good Friday is the day of execution of Jesus Christ. There was nothing pleasant about it. It was all about death. It was all about suffering. It was all about torment. It was all about rejection. It was all about denying that there was a God in heaven and that he sent his son into this world to die for us. The Son of Man must suffer many things. We see the spiritual agony. We see the physical torment. Then we see a personal resolve. The personal resolve of Jesus Christ. As he's hanging on the cross, 
First of all, I see kindness. The Son of God, who has been despised and rejected, the Son of God who has been taken advantage of, the Son of God who has been brutalized, the Son of God who is gasping for air every breath that he takes into his lungs is a breath of agony and torment. But I see kindness on the cross. I see a personal resolve of the Son of God to show kindness to mankind. Luke 23 and 34 says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, in Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one towards another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You want to be able to see and experience and understand real kindness then see Jesus Christ tormented on the cross and dying for your sins, the en- be living your life as the enemy of God. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think this Easter, this, sun- this Sunday, I think this Friday, this evening that we're uh, expressing uh, our understanding of Christ's sufferings, uh, there ought to be a willingness to show kindness one towards another. You say, you don't understand what so-and-so's done to me. No, you don't understand what you did to God. You say, but you don't understand what I've gone through. No, you don't understand what Christ went through. And if Jesus Christ can hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, then certainly we can show kindness one towards another, being willing to forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. So I see a personal resolve, kindness. There was no kindness showed towards Christ. But there certainly was plenty of kindness shown from Christ to mankind. I see deliverance. Deliverance. Because in Luke 23, 43, it says, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, as the crowd would watch and as the crowd would uh, anticipate what is going to take place, as the uh, thief on the cross would mock Jesus and one thief would uh, uh, rebuke the one mocking Jesus Christ, and he asked Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom, and there was deliverance offered to a man that was bound to a cross. There was deliverance given to a man that had nowhere to go. There was deliverance that was experienced because the Son of God said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And you may be bound to death, but death has no hold on the soul that will turn to the living Son of God. Matthew, I'm sorry, John 8, 36, Jesus said, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And that man hanging next to Jesus on the cross may have been bound by man, but he was loosed by God. So I see kindness. I see deliverance. I see protection. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's not coming down off of the cross. He's dying on the cross, but yet I see protection. John chapter 19 and verse 26. 
In verse 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and his disciples standing by, that would be John, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son, and he saith unto the disciple, Behold thy mother. I'm just saying this. At the time of torment, torture, and suffering, rejection, and dying, Jesus Christ still protected his mother and gave her over to John to care for her. Why? Just Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can stand against us? Even the hour of death, even the hour of persecution, even the hour of distress, even when the hour of uncertainty, even in the hour when there's nothing you can do, there is still the reality that God can protect us. And we live our life in, in the presence of a God who is always with us and will watch over this. So I see the personal resolve of Christ was kindness and deliverance and protection, separation, Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. It says that about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh, what a tremendous thought here. That in all the annals of time and history, there's never been a time when the Son of God was not with the Father in heaven. There's never been a time when the Father would turn his back on his Son. There's never been a time when there was any separation but complete harmony within the Godhead. And yet, here is Jesus hanging on the cross, receiving the sins of the world. And as he's receiving the sins of the world... He is aware of the fact that his father, who is absolutely holy, cannot look on, hope, on sin. And he turns his back. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I think that's why Hebrews 3, 5 reminds us that Jesus has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is so precious to know. That no matter what we go through or what we experience, what suffering we may have, that Jesus Christ has promised to leave us, never leave us, nor forsake us. So I see it was a time of separation. I see as he's hanging on the cross, it was a time of distress. Because of the fact in John 19, 28, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Distress. Hanging on the cross. I thirst. I would imagine he did thirst. I would imagine he was suffering much. I would imagine the, the reality of the scriptures being fulfilled satisfied him, but so that the scriptures may be completely fulfilled, he cries out, I thirst. I think that's why Paul says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. And I'm going to tell you, there was two thieves hanging on each side of Jesus. There was a crowd that were gathered around the foot of the cross, there were soldiers that had abused him physically, watching to wait for him to die. He was in a place of complete distress, but wait a minute, he is not, he's not defeated as he hangs on that cross as he acknowledges the distress that he's in. I see also this matter of his personal resolve being one of victory. One of victory. Uh, because of the fact in John 19 and 30, 
It says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, oftentimes, we, don't, we look at death as a time of losing. Oftentimes, we look at death and think it as a time of great loss. But the reality is that Jesus Christ, when he died, he said it's a finish. He literally had accomplished everything that the Father desired for him to accomplish. And he understood that, as Paul says in Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And the amazing thing is this, Jesus Christ died in victory, not in defeat. And then you see... His personal resolve was heaven. Luke 23, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. In other words, Christ knew where he was going. He was going to be with his Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul said, We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And if there's something we can learn tonight on this Good Friday is to learn that, wait a minute, death is not the defeater of man because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life, and he that believeth in me, though you're dead, yet shall you live. Death is not the defeater of man, but rather man dies in victory through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because as Jesus committed his soul and his spirit unto the Father in heaven, so when we depart from this life, we go into the presence of God in heaven. The Son of Man must suffer many things. And he did suffer many things. He suffered spiritual agony for you. I mean, his, his earthly ministry began in Matthew chapter 4 where the devil... Uh, tempts him for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. His life comes to an end on this earth, experiencing a spiritual battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Spiritual agony. Physical torment. The physical torment he went through was so that you and I might be able to defeat death and be able to have eternal life. And then a personal resolve, he did it for you and he did it for me. He declared and proved the love of God through all that he suffered. And that's why we call this Good Friday. There's nothing good about the crucifixion of Christ apart from the fact that there's redemption and forgiveness and salvation through what Christ did when he died on Calvary. The wages of sin is death, so he took all of our payments upon himself when he died on Calvary. That's the good aspect of it. But what he experienced was not a pleasant adventure. What he experienced was not something we would say, oh, I want to embrace that and experience that. But what he accomplished in defeating the spiritual agony and overcoming the physical torment gave him a personal resolve and giving the believer in Christ hope for everlasting life. Matthew 28 and verse 6, and we're going to discuss this a little bit on Sunday. But Matthew chapter 28, verse 6 says, He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall ye see him. Lo, 
I have told you, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. This is Friday, but Sunday's coming. And when Jesus died and he was buried, it would seem that all hope was gone, but Sunday came. And he arose out of the grave. They acknowledged that he is alive. They remind them that your responsibility, because he's alive, is to go tell everyone that he's alive. And this Easter Sunday, I'll tell you what a great message we have in being able to tell everyone that Jesus Christ died a horrible, horrible death that he experienced on the cross, but he lives evermore. And hallelujah, he's coming to take us in the glory in the presence of our God. The Son of Man must suffer many things. And may it reassured of this, that Christ in his suffering was completely for you and was completely for me. And you can be assured that heaven is your home if you'll receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can't deny him and reject him as Judas did. You can't abuse the memory of all that Christ is, as the soldiers did. You can't reject him as the crowds accepted Barabbas. If you want to be saved tonight, you have to receive him as your personal Savior. For as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Please contact us and let us know if there's some way we can help you. If you're not sure you're saved tonight, we want you to come to Christ in faith, believing, so that you know you have eternal life. Saints of God, let me encourage you. These are not times to give up hope. These are not the times to live in despair. But these are times to know that suffering of Christ reminds us that the suffering that we may go through is only going to be glorified when we get into the presence of our Savior. And so let's have the resolve that Jesus had to live our life in the power and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Let's pray. My Father, I thank you. I praise you, God, for the many ways you have blessed. I get overwhelmed every time I read of the crucifixion of Christ. Every time I contemplate all that Christ suffered, I, I just I stand in amazement. I, I just don't understand why you would do something like that for me. I'm thankful you did. And I'm thankful that I'm saved. Now, Lord, I pray, send thy Holy Spirit upon each person that's heard this message that there will be someone who will get saved. There will be someone who will rejoice and the blessings and the sweetness and the resolve of the Son of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.